Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, good morning, y'all. You know, until recently, being a Christian in America was no big deal. Like most people either respected us or at least ignored us. But nobody was really pushing against us, right? Until recently. You see, the way of Jesus is different than the way of the world. Has anybody noticed that? Just just me? And we've come to a crossroads in America where you have to choose one way or the other. Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to get sucked into the ways of the world? You get to choose. And I want to help you follow Jesus because it's the only way to experience life, true life, here on earth. It's the only way to secure your eternity in heaven as well. Before we get into part one of this new series, though, which I'm really excited about, I just want to say welcome to No Limits Church. I want to say hey to everybody who's joining us online. I was over there playing the keys and kind of watching the comments, too, at roll in. So I saw Summer on there. I saw all kinds of people on there. Aubrey's on there. Um, obviously, probably everybody who's not here in service today. You didn't want to get out and drive in the snow? Was it that bad, y'all? No, it's a really dry snow, actually. It's easy to drive in. So if you have to get out, I mean, don't worry about it. It's not too bad at all. I'm glad you're with us. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we are passionate about making a difference. And the way we do that is by helping you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And if you've been through Growth Track, you know that the primary way we help people know God is through our Sunday services. And uh, this series is going to be like the poster child for fulfilling that message. And this brings me to our core scripture for this series. It's found in John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So here's what we learned from that. God is revealed through Jesus. Like if we want to know God, then what do we got to do? We got to get to know Jesus. And luckily, there's four entire books of the Bible dedicated to the life of Jesus. We call it the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And through this series, we're going to travel through the book of John and observe the way of Jesus. Then we're going to take what we learn each week, and we're going to apply it to our lives. And it's going to make a big difference. So look at somebody that's next to you and say, get ready for different. Get ready for different. This is actually one of the best ways to study the Bible. As I work through this book of John with you over the next few weeks, you're going to be able to take this same study strategy and apply it to the rest of the Gospels as well and get to know Jesus on your own time, in your own quiet time, by using the same strategy. So I'm really excited about this. I went through all four uh, books of the Gospels this year, one chapter at a time, and it was honestly one of the most life-giving studies that I've done. In previous years, I always like to study the books of the Bible that were written specifically to the church. We're talking about like Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. All those have like great practical tips for us and how to operate as a church. And because I'm such a practical guy, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the Gospels until this past year when the Holy Spirit's like, Kate, I want you to go through the Gospels really slowly. And I want you to write down the things that you learn about Jesus, the way of Jesus. And I have this journal now of like, I don't know how many hundreds of bullet points of things that I learned about Jesus. And let me tell you, I found out that I didn't know as much about Jesus as I thought I did. Uh, I was surprised almost every day by something either Jesus said or what he did or how he did it. You see, American Christianity likes to paint this picture of Jesus as this super nice guy who was politically correct, and he didn't require too much of his followers. It wasn't very hard to follow Jesus, and we've really been duped. That's American Christianity. That's not Christianity. And um, really, that's made us ineffective because we don't really know Jesus. And when we don't know Jesus, we don't know God. But if we can know Jesus, then we can know God. 
and you're going to get to know Jesus through the series. And a lot of inaccurate religious ideas are going to kind of be blown to smithereens through this series. So it's probably going to hurt you a little bit, but it's going to be worth it. So let's get started. Starting in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So this is foundational stuff right here. Jesus didn't come into existence when he was born of a virgin named Mary over 2,000 years ago. Like, he's been here all along, right? He was in the beginning, and all things were created through him. Jesus is the very author of life, and he's the one who brings us light. And this light shines in the darkness, and you cannot the darkness can't even understand what's going on. That's why whenever you choose to follow Jesus, the world looks at you and says, what is wrong with you? You are crazy, because they can't comprehend it. They don't understand it. And notice how Jesus is described as the Word in these verses. So the Word of God, the Bible, it's not a book. It's Jesus in book form. And that's really cool. No matter where you're reading, whether you're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it will always point back to Jesus. Even just a few verses later in the book of John, we get a full explanation of how salvation works. You see, most people think that good morals will earn your way into heaven. And if they don't think that, then they think that, you know, God is such a loving God, he wouldn't let me go to hell. And really, those two beliefs have sent a lot of people to hell. And that's terrible. Because the truth is, Satan, he's not against good morals. Like, if he can deceive you into thinking that good morals is going to earn your way into heaven, he is really happy with that because you're going to end up in hell and you're going to take a lot of people with you because you're going to teach all your friends and family that all it takes is good morals to get into heaven. But the thing is, good morals without Jesus is nothing. Nothing. It's worthless. The key to eternal life is to believe in and follow Jesus. And then good morals kind of show up as a result. Thankfully, the true way to salvation, it's made plain over and over again in Scripture. And you only have to read down to the 12th verse in the book of John to see the truth. It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So to be a child of God, two things are involved. First, believe in Jesus. Second, accept Jesus. And if you look up this in other translations, most of them say to receive Jesus for that second one. And if you look up this word in the original language, you find out that it means to give Jesus access to yourself. You believe in Jesus and you give him access to yourself. In other words, this is what salvation looks like. And if you have your message notes, this is where you write this down. I believe in you, Jesus. And because I believe in you, I follow you. And there's a burden on my heart to make sure that everybody knows this simple gospel. Like, this is the truth of Jesus Christ. To take hold of abundant life here on earth and to secure your eternity in heaven, simply believe in Jesus and follow him. I don't want you to go to hell because you thought that good morals would earn your way into heaven. I don't want you to go to hell because you thought that God's love wouldn't let you go to hell. Because God's love sent Jesus so that you could be saved, but you can't be saved without Jesus. Can I get an amen? Is that true? Because without Jesus, you're relying on yourself. And you probably realize by now you're not going to cut it. You can't do it on your own. You've already messed up. And there's no amount of good things that will undo bad things. Only Jesus can clean the slate. When you believe in Jesus, you're born again. It's like a fresh start. Everything you've done wrong is forgotten. And the power of God comes to live inside of you to enable you to live your life without sin. You're not going to get it perfect. And that's why you keep following Jesus. 
you believe in him and then you follow him. And along the way, you're going to mess up. And here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to say, hey, stand up, keep following me this way. Is there anybody right now, maybe you're watching online, you had kind of an aha moment, like you've misunderstood salvation all this time, but now you're get, you get it. You're like, oh, I get it. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now. If you're in the room or if you're online, just type, that's me into the chat. Now you get it. It's all about believing in Jesus and following him. So let's talk about what following Jesus looks like. And the first thing we learn about Jesus in the book of John is found in verse 14. And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In case you were wondering how I knew earlier that the word was referring to Jesus, now you know, because it explains it to us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus. And in this verse, we also learn the first thing about following the way of Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must embrace grace and truth. There's a group of Christians who fully embrace grace, but neglect truth. And that causes people to believe that living in sin doesn't even matter after you get saved because grace covers it all. Like, just go do what you want. And the problem with that is when you sin, you welcome deception into your life. And eventually, if sin continues, deception is going to win out and you're going to find yourself no longer following Jesus. And when you're not following Jesus, you're really saying that you don't believe in Jesus because if you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. And that's a discussion that nobody likes to have. So let's go ahead and move on to the other group of Christians who fully embrace truth but neglect grace. These are the people that they think they're holier than everybody else. The Bible would refer to them as Pharisees, right? Neither group is actually following the way of Jesus. They've created their own way, and they're disguising it as the way of Jesus. To truly follow Jesus, you have to embrace grace and truth. And I can't think of a better story that illustrates this than one that's found in John chapter 4, where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well and asks her for a drink of water. Has anybody heard that story before? She was astonished that Jesus would even talk to her because Jesus was a Jew. She was a Samaritan and Jews didn't even have anything to do with Samaritans. But he took the opportunity to explain to this woman that he was the Messiah and that he would give her living water. I want you to take a look at the screen and watch this story. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? And a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. 
Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <gasps> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. 
This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> hey, wait! Your water! You forgot your um. <laughs> How many of you guys will be running off excited because somebody told you everything that you've ever did? That's such good stuff. And Jesus really was the master of putting grace and truth together, wasn't he? In the most beautiful way. He did. We like to use truth to run people away, and Jesus used truth to draw people closer to himself. And it all comes down to motivation. Jesus deeply cared about that woman. He deeply cared about her, so he spoke some hard things because he knew it would lead her to freedom. So to follow Jesus, we have to embrace grace and truth, just like he did not one or the other. Let grace serve as our only motivator to share the truth, and never neglect truth in the name of grace. It was amazing what Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. Even though he had just met her, he was enabled by the Holy Spirit to know specific details about her. It's all right. Sorry, my screen broke. But he was enabled by the Holy Spirit to know specific details about her. He knew that she had been married five times and that she was now with a man that she wasn't even married to. The spiritual gift is what 1 Corinthians 12 calls a word of knowledge. It's when the Holy Spirit enables you to know something that you couldn't have known otherwise. I actually operated in this gift last night. Beth and I were trying to get our newborn to bed. He was swaddled. He'd been fed. 
And he looked like he was passed out. So I just laid him in his bed. And when I laid him down, the Holy Spirit said, he's going to want to eat again before he goes down for the night. And I looked at him because he was just sacked out, man. I was like, uh, I don't know. 10 minutes later, he woke up. He wanted to eat. He ate and then he slept for three and a half hours. <laughs> That's the word of knowledge. And this brings me to the next thing that we learn in John chapter one about following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must use spiritual gifts to reach people. Sorry, it's not on the screen, but that's the next thing to fill, uh, fill out. To follow Jesus, I must use spiritual gifts to reach people. And you're going to see this over and over again throughout the Gospels. Like Jesus heals people. Jesus uses miracles, prophecy, the word of knowledge. Uh, he welcomes spiritual gifts into his life so that he could reach people every day. And we just witnessed how he used the word of knowledge with the Samaritan woman. And now let me read to you John chapter, in John chapter 1 where he does the same thing to connect with one of his disciples, Nathaniel. And in John chapter 1, verse 47, it says, When Jesus saw him coming, he said, There's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. And then Nathaniel said, Where did you get that idea? You don't even know me. And Jesus answered, One day, long before Philip called you here, I saw you under a fig tree. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You've become a believer simply because I say that I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You haven't seen anything yet. That's good stuff. You see, but the American, the American church is really weak in spiritual gifts. We, we think that we're so sophisticated that our fancy buildings and our sound and our lights and our good-looking pastors and teachers are all we need to reach people for Jesus. Isn't it great for us to think that we know better than Jesus? No, it's foolishness. If Jesus needed spiritual gifts to reach people, then we need spiritual gifts to reach people. And you might be wondering, well, can I even have spiritual gifts? Or is this only for certain people like the leaders of the church or the ones who can pray really long prayers? Well, I can answer this for you because it's very clear in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, which says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we've all been given spiritual gifts. And when I operate in my spiritual gifts, it profits everybody else around me. When you operate in your spiritual gifts, it affects and profits everybody around you. In other words, when you choose not to operate in your spiritual gifts, you're missing opportunities left and right to make a difference in the lives of others. First Corinthians chapter 12 goes on to give us a list of spiritual gifts. This is not a complete list because you're going to find other spiritual gifts mentioned throughout the Bible. But let's take a look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 so we can get an idea of what's available to us. And it says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And the word of wisdom really refers to an intimate understanding of God's word, something that's really complicated to understand, but you have the ability to make it simple for people to understand. That is a word of wisdom. Then it goes on to say to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. We just witnessed two examples of this. This is when the Holy Spirit enables you to know something that you could not have known otherwise. To another, faith by the same Spirit. You see, we all have a measure of faith. Every person has enough faith to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus. But there's something that's called, you know, the gift of faith. And what that does is it enables you to have absolute confidence. You know that God's going to show up and that he's going to do this certain thing. And everybody around you is looking at you like, you crazy. That's not going to happen. But you know, you know, and that is the gift of faith. And to another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles by the same Spirit, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. So healings, miracles, and prophecy, those are the three gifts that you've probably heard of before. However, healing is a miracle, so you might be wondering, how is miracles different than healings? Well, miracles are like when Jesus fed the 5,000, 
or uh, when he calmed the storm, things like that. And discerning of spirits is a gift that lets you in on what's really going on. Like somehow you just know that a situation isn't what it seems. A perfect example of this from Jesus is when he knew that sickness was caused by a demon. And so he cast out the demon and then the person was healed, discerning of spirits. And to another, different kinds of tongues and to another, interpretation of tongues. In other words, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can enable you to speak in a language that you don't even know. And he can also enable you to interpret a language that you don't even know. That'd be really handy on the mission field, wouldn't it, Coonrod? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes these gifts as he wills. This person might have one gift. This other person might have three gifts. You might have one gift one day and another gift the next day. It seems like a great mystery, but it's really easy to understand. God wants to draw all people to himself. And if he can use spiritual gifts to make that happen, then he's going to give you that gift to use. The reason we don't see them at work more often than we do is because we're closed-minded to spiritual gifts. We put up the wall and we say we don't want them. We run from spiritual gifts because we think that our knowledge and our science and our plans and our strategies are all we need to reach people for Jesus. That's a bunch of BS. Let me remind you this. To follow Jesus, I must embrace spiritual gifts. I got to embrace them. And I wouldn't give you a chance to do that right now. Like, if you're like, you know what? I want to embrace spiritual gifts. I want these gifts operating in my life. You want to break down the barrier that makes you think this is only for the pastor. This is only for so-and-so. It's only if I live perfect. Nope, he wants you to have these spiritual gifts. So if that's something that you want to do, I just want you to like reach out your hands. Even if you're watching online, just reach out your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. I want these gifts. And now we're just going to take a moment to let the Holy Spirit do his thing, to see if he wants to distribute a gift today. And if one of those gifts that we just talked about rises up in you, I want you to just stand up and operate in it. So just go ahead and close your eyes, lift out your hands. Holy Spirit, have your way. I can sense that the Lord is just wanting to give us instruction to start practicing these gifts in our everyday life, just like last night with the baby and and knowing that he was going to wake up in 10 minutes and want to eat again. Like Those are just simple ways that the Holy Spirit will help you operate in these gifts because it's got to become second nature. It's got to become something that's natural. And So Holy Spirit, we, we submit ourselves to you. We say, have your way in our lives. We receive spiritual gifts. We're, we're not going to push them away anymore. We're not going to reject them. We're going to hold them close and we're going to say, thank you for giving me these gifts to enable me to reach people because I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference for eternity. And I can't do this without you. My plans, my strategies, they're not enough. And they might just be foolishness. Holy Spirit, I need you. And earlier I gave you an opportunity to raise your hand to declare that you, you believe in Jesus and you want to follow him. And if that's you, if you believe in Jesus and you've decided to follow him, 
I want you to just raise your hand again and say, that's me. If you're online, say, that's me. I've decided today to believe in Jesus and follow him and be bold about it. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand earlier. Maybe you didn't put it in the chat earlier because you weren't quite ready yet, but you're ready now. We'll go ahead and put it in the chat right now. And maybe you've even said the salvation prayer before and you realize today that, you know, I've said that before, but I didn't really believe in Jesus. I wasn't really following him. But today I'm making that decision. I believe in you, Jesus, and I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to just lead you in a prayer to say, Jesus, I submit myself to you. I love you. I want to follow you. And I thank you for making a way for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you gave your life to Jesus today, there's a journey that's ahead and we want to walk that journey with you, but we can't walk it with you if we don't know. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You just text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. And we're going to reach out to you with some next steps. Um, it's going to be a good time. We want to walk that out with you. So go ahead and send that text. Don't delay. Text Jesus to 918-373-9883. And before we leave today, I want to give you a an opportunity to act on your generosity. There's many ways to give here at No Limits. If you're giving by cash or check, you can raise your hands and our usher will bring you an offering envelope. Um, You can give online anytime. And how you do that is you type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar on your tablet, phone, computer, any device that's connected to the internet, and that'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.